the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 143, recorded Saturday, May 17th, 2014. Siri is a proper lady. AV Week is brought to you by Middle Atlantic Products, who invite you to stop by their new customer-focused website, Middle Atlantic Products, what great systems are built on. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. Good Saturday morning to you. Uh, I'm your host. Uh, it's Saturday in Central Time, you know. Uh, with us this week is George Tucker. He is the engineering for coordinator for World Stage and uh, one of our fine uh, AV Nation uh, co-founders and everything else. So how are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Doing fine. Waiting for 1 o'clock, Rangers, Habs. I'm sorry, is there still hockey going on? Oh, there's still hockey says, going on. There's still hockey going says, on more at InfoCom. Says, says the Blues fan. So, <laughs> um, uh, also with this is Michael Drainer. Michael uh, is uh, is also one of our fine uh, uh, co-founders and uh, board members, but he also works for Sennheiser USA. So, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Not really looking forward to hockey, but hey, you know, hockey's hockey. I like hockey's hockey. hockey. <laughs> I still like watching it. So it's fun. There's no, you know, there's no Blues right now. But well, that's know. why I'm not looking forward to it. Oh, sh- <laughs> all right, uh, all of our aviation uh, uh, podcasts are brought to you by Middle Atlantic Products and their new customer-focused website, Middle Atlantic Products. What great systems are built upon? All right, guys, here's the thing: what a couple, the last couple of weeks, um, there have been some interesting developments. Last week, I bemoaned the death of OLED with the fact that uh, Samsung was was getting out, and a few days later, Sony. Uh, put another nail in the coffin and said they were they were ixnaying on it. Uh, although I did get a lot of emails this week saying, "Hey, but what about LG? LG is still doing their thing, and that may be our only saving grace when it comes to you know, big format OLEDs." Uh, but um, as so often happens uh, when in the world of AV, every once in a while we'll get breaking news, which is kind of fun. Pioneer is getting out of the AV business. Interesting. Um, they are looking, they are actively um, talking with a couple of people to sell off their AV gear. Now, some of you may say, um, did Pioneer have AV gear? Yes, they did. Um, not only did, you know, primarily, you know, a number of years ago, they were one of the biggest, if not the best, uh, plasma display manufacturers. Uh, but they also have components for home and, and some some professional grade uh, Blu-ray players and um, uh, you know head units and things of that nature. So, uh, George, how big of a deal is it the fact that that Pioneer, first of all, when they got out of plasma, everybody th- you know was losing their mind saying that was the death of plasma, and lo and behold, it probably was. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that they're divesting themselves of of an almost you know an entire arm of of their of their stock. Well, I think the consumer, especially the consumer and probably the lower end commercial profit margin is gone 
for someone like them who are, had yeah. an early, early entry into all that stuff. I mean, look, I still have a Pioneer receiver yeah, so <laughs> that I. I use in one of my houses. It's, it works just fine. My Sawalda doesn't have any HDMI. Um, has video, though, and component. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, looks good. Um, but still, I, I think that's really what it is. We're dealing with a saturation that they just feel in their current state is not worth trying to keep a profitability. I don't know if it really has anything to say about AV itself as it does about Pioneer needing to reorganize itself in a new environment where more things are downloadable, more things are piggybacked on other platforms, and all that development and upkeep really isn't doing them any good. Uh, Michael, what say you when it comes to, you know, um, AV and, you know, the whole industry? Does it, is it a big deal, the fact that Pioneer is getting out? I, I'm with George. I don't know that it's a big deal for the industry as a whole. However, I don't necessarily believe that they're going to be the last one uh, to go down this path. I think we're going to see some other uh, organizations that have historically been major players in, especially the residential AV space, start to uh, divest their um, operations into some some higher focus, if you will, and not play in so many different arenas. And I think AV is going to be one of those, as George said, has become so highly competitive. And, uh, you know, the manufacturers have raced to price zero so quick that it just makes a lot of business sense for some of these organizations to get out. Okay, smarty pants, then who? <laughs> if you say, yeah, I'm you not, say I'm you're not, 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 I'm not making, oh, no, I'm not making any predictions. No, not making any predictions. I, I mean, I'm the one who has who famously said, you know, Cisco's going to buy a control company, you know, for the past three years. I've said yeah. that. And they will someday. It may very, very well be possible. for so. Give me, give me a couple people. Who do you think I'm not, I'm not naming oh, names. No, no, no. George, is he right? Is, is, are, are, are they the last, the last shoe to drop or is somebody else heading down? Well, I don't know. I mean, it depends on what level you're talking about. There's yeah. um, a number of companies that are up and down right now. The, the, I think the economy of the last few years is still taking its victims. Mm-hmm. Uh, some who thought they could survive and realized that it wasn't going to be nearly as fruitful as they had hoped. Um, some doing things like the piggyback that just isn't working because they didn't really provide any features other than, hey, we piggyback on XYZ. Isn't that right. cool? right. Uh, I, one of the newer articles that, that just came out a couple of days ago, I don't know if you saw it, Julie Jacobson on CE Pro was hmm. reporting that Microsoft is teaming with Insteon. I wonder if that's what they'll be showing in their booth. Oh. Their stuff, but they are going with their lighting at least. I mean, we've talked about Insteon before. It's yeah. sort of the super duper X10. Well, and yeah, I, that's really... That's, that's kind of cruel. Because <laughs> well, you hate X10. I do, but I said I don't mean to be disingenuous <laughs> with that because I was trying to be nice, right? Um, By comparing it, it to Eggston. Well, but it's still it's still a it's simplistic consumer yes. level. Thing. Yes, it's, it's not quite the hobbyist. It's not quite off the shelf reliable. It's in between there somewhere. You get it from a catalog, uh, which is kind of cool still. But you know uh, that. So what are they doing, and where's the manufacturing going? And that's my bigger question: is if it's not profitable for these companies based out of Asia to <laughs> make these things. Where is it profitable to do so, and where are we going with it? But, you know, George, I think it comes down to focus, right? I mean, you take a company like Pioneer that is diversified into so many different technologies, different aspects of the industry, different industries altogether. It makes it very difficult for them to really capitalize on 
any one of those with maximum profitability. So I think what we're starting to see is a little bit of a shift in some capacities with these larger conglomerates trying to consolidate, but then the smaller guys trying to di diversify. So a, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this this really pans out in the in the long term. Yeah, I, you bring that up because I was thinking about the diversification thing. Is why are the bigger boys trying to be less diverse? I'm sure there's some profitability reason for it. I'm sure there's a business reason for it, but it just seems to me like when they say in Wall Street, you know, don't go after a single sector. Right. <laughs> Diversify. Be in retail. Be in fast foods. Be in tech. Be in something else. Because if one bottoms out, you've got that safety measure, and I don't know what they're doing. Uh, it, uh, putting all your eggs in one basket, to use an overused metaphor, or something. Right. But, no, it works though. You know, I, I'm not. I, I'm kind of mystified by it. But some of these guys have their eggs in 10, 20, 30 baskets. You know, and maybe it's a matter of consolidating that to four or five good strategic baskets. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm kind of with you. It's 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 uh, it's going to be an interesting play. And given the crossover that mm -hmm. happens between the residential, the commercial, the school, those products all cross over in some way or another. Right. And so, yes, I see that. You know, let's make one line that we say can be used for everything. But we know how we are as AV people. We know how some right. of our clients are. Right. Well, it doesn't say for schools. Well, I can't see. Well, why am I applying a whole theater system to my classroom? Well, right. maybe you should. Well, maybe it, you should. and you know as well as I do, right? It's the same receiver, just two different SKUs. Yeah, I'm like, look, oftentimes I remember seeing a little jumper in them. Right, right. <laughs> this is the one that does these features. You take it off, you put the jumper, it does those features. Does the others, yep. Wait <laughs> a minute. Oh, 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 wait. Are you telling me that all those different <laughs> SKU numbers, that you'll have different products for each one of those? Sometimes. He says, you know, kind of mischievous. Look at all the projectors. <laughs> Go to Projector Central and... and right. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's, no, a, good, that's a good one right I was going to say, what, what the interesting thing about Projector, projector Central is, and I, and I actually love it as a, as a tech manager, I used to use them all the time. You would go there, and God love them. Not only will you look up a, a Sanyo or an or an Icky or um, you know a, a Panasonic Icky 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 whatever E I K I. You they would also put down there what other model numbers and manufacturers yeah. and model numbers this was sold at this exact same projector. Yeah. It's a, it's a very educational experience if you yeah. if you if you're new to the industry, just figure out you know. Find out, you know, who, what the one or two or three manufacturers in the industry are and then, you know, what all well, they're making. You know, it's interesting you say that because there's one particular manufacturer that um, builds base boxes for about four or five others. And just in recent years, they started going direct to market. They were historically just a wholesaler. And now you're seeing them in uh, going direct to the consumer and to the integrators. Uh, trying to increase their sell through. So not only are they doing the OEM model, yeah. but they're also um, going to the point of sale model, which is, is it, kind of an interesting. Um, is play. it bag end? A bag end. I, I don't know. Projectors? <laughs> I thought you said Does box. Bag end make I thought projectors? you said box like base models. <laughs> what? Never mind. No, that's the Evie Ranch show. Well, <laughs> on the wrong podcast. Thank you. <laughs> this is not quite oh two my hours. Gosh. <laughs> God, I, I love you, Tom Andrew, but this is not two hours long. I shoot myself. Oh, Sorry, man. I misunderstood you. You you were saying base models as <laughs> base a mo base yes, projector base models, projector. and that is Duquesne. Yes. Is who started? Well, there, well, Duquesne uh, was one. Well, Duquesne was one of them, but Viztech was the other oh, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Viztech was a division of Delta, who manufactured okay. a lot of the the um, LCD chipsets and and whatnot for a multitude of manufacturers in their ec uh, economy lines. Okay, all right. Now that we've gone completely off the rails. Uh, 
By the way, George, Julie Jacobson from CE Pro uh, is really good about breaking and, and getting scoops. I'm hoping that you're right, and she's gotten one and kind of you know slipped it under the radar. She's not. She didn't say spe- specifically this is what they're doing. But oh, hey, by the way, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Microsoft uh, is getting in bed with these guys, so it will be interesting. Mm. Um, okay, so last year at Infocom, uh, a good friend of ours uh, of the of the network and the show, Scott Moody, he used to host the AV uh, Social Show. Uh, he's a marketing guy. He had a company called TIO, uh, turn for Turn On, uh, Home Automation. Great group of guys. We met uh, a bunch of us met them at, at Infocom in Orlando last year. Sad news. Uh, it looks as if they're they're on the rocks, and it, it some of it has to do with. Uh, financing. Some of it has to do with um, products not quite being to market yet. Uh, according to the to the the head of the of the of the company, uh, Mike Anderson, he says they're good, right? He says they're good. Now there were some issues when it comes to <clears throat> people getting paid and small things like that. Uh, but he's he's very bullish. However, uh, when it comes to technology companies, you can be as bullish as you as you want to be as the founder. You know that that's all great. But unless you have the financing, you ain't going anywhere. So, uh, Michael, is this is, is this a, um, a, a a setback for things like uh, mesh networks and and kind of do it yourself um, home automation, or are they just kind of hitting a rough, rough patch here and um, they're going to be okay? Well, without knowing more about the their particular business, I can't say um, about that company in general. However, it is a little disappointing to see. Uh, anytime a startup comes into the fold with some great ideas like this, that they hit that rough patch and have to go through this type of adjustment. Um, you know, it really stifles your momentum, stifles your ability to get to market with product fast and effectively and to really make a place in the market for yourself. So is TIO going away? I don't know. Um, only there, only Mike Anderson can say uh, what's going to happen there. However, I, I am optimistic that 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 market segment as a whole is going to continue to move forward. Yeah. I don't. I don't think this is going to stifle the market. Very good. Yeah, that was kind of the, the bigger question was whether or not this would have an impact on stuff like them and and, and a couple other things that have happened. Uh, over I the mean, last it, it may slow things down a little bit because you had a player moving out, but if they weren't delivering the product anyway, then yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's not like Nest is going away, right? Because they're owned by Google. So, uh, <laughs> Google's not going away. No, uh, George, how big of a deal is this? Let's let's say that the worst worst case scenario for Mr. Anderson and the, and the company happen, uh, and TIO, TIO does have to fold. You know, how big of a deal would that be? Well, I'm, not to it, him, but to, to the industry. Right? No, no. <laughs> yes. Big deal to him. Yeah. There's, there's a, I put it put it simply for him, it would suck. <laughs> but and I know I'm being part, subtle yeah, there, yeah. but you know, you are um, the king no, of subtlety. In reality. This, well, it dovetails right into the Insteon thing. The TIO was supposed to be, in my opinion, and forgive me again, I'm not being disingenuous, was a professional and, um, how do I say this best, it was a higher level version of what they were doing with some better features, of course, and they had better so, mm-hmm. audio planned and a whole networking mm-hmm. yeah. system planned. But it was that entry-level system that could be expandable, that could break open the market, that could give you a really good traction. You know, you want the big home theater? We've got that. You just need a media room with some light control? Hey, this product will do that. I know all manufacturers are trying to do that, but they seem to have a really good edge and feel for what people really wanted as opposed to some of the other mid-level, low-level, entry-level companies making stuff whose stuff seemed to be overreaching or Mm -hmm. or underreached. Mm -hmm. When I was in their booth, it seemed like they really had people who knew what the concept was and knew what infrastructure and architecture was needed. 
why it hasn't come to fruition, I'm not really clear on that. But, you know, I think for a lot of manufacturers, that's that's the biggest hurdle is understanding the market needs and demands. And, you know, it, that's what saddens me about this is, is, you know, here's finally a company who understands what the consumer's asking for. But then they, they, for whatever reason, haven't been able to deliver on that. So, you know, I'm hoping that they'll figure out a way to reorganize and, and either partner with somebody that can help facilitate that or build their own infrastructure to be able to, to actually deliver the product. Um, software, hardware, you know, implementation, the, the full deployment. Um, but really getting that pulse on the market is the key. And I hope they don't lose that throughout this whole process. I, I have a great idea. Cisco should buy them. <laughs> I knew that was coming because they're a control company <laughs> and I would be right then. Um, sorry, that's an old dead horse that I keep beating up on. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, our friend Don Mead, A.V. Donson has sent me this. Um, <laughs> the first $640 4K display. Holy cow. Wow. Michael mentioned this in the in the first story, you know, driving a, a hurtling toward, you know, price zero. Um yeah, okay, 6 you know, 640 650 whatever it takes. Uh 2 gigs of RAM. 640 641. Whatever it takes. <laughs> uh Okay, so the best, I guess the best question is this, what the freak? Now Let's be honest here. This is not an LG. This is not a Sony. Um, it's 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 kind of like the company that came out with the with the two thousand dollar four K one. It's a company that 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 not saying they haven't been around in a while. I'm sure they've been. They're a very fine company. Uh, I just never heard of them. So it, it's kind of like going into into Walmart uh, or a, or a deep discount store and saying I want the X Y Z um, display for a hundred bucks since it's you know ninety inches. So yeah, cool. Question. Um, George, companies like this and, and, you know, whether they make it in China or they make it in Mexico or they make it in Detroit, um, is kind of irrelevant at this point. The fact that, that we're getting so quickly, uh, we're getting less and less expensive displays at this resolution. Um, the caveat being here, I've never seen this. I don't know if, you know, mm -hmm. the colors are all weird and whacked or if it's a perfect display, who knows? Um, but the fact that, you know your clients and my clients and, and, you know, integrators across the U S are going to, you know, start specking 4ks for 5,000, $4,000 and their clients are, are going to say, Hey, but what about this, this one here? Uh, how, you know, what does that do? Um, what does that do to the integrator? What does that do to companies like LG and, and Sony and, and Samsung, uh, who are trying to produce, you know, high quality, but still trying to trying to make a buck on, on the 4k stuff. That's yet to be seen. And like you said, does the color last forever? Does something happen over age? Is it really intended to be a disposable unit? Five years and you're done, or two years and you're done and you move it on. Um, it really comes down to how is that quality over time? And so if I'm Sony or if I'm others, another manufacturer, I'm going to say, well, that's interesting and that's a concern for the lower end market, but what does it really do? And I think the real thing here is that not only do they have a 49-inch panel, but it's basically a giant Android phone yeah. that has the features people want. We just talked about, you know, not understanding what the market wants. I don't think it's really a smart TV, as we've seen that people really get into, and web TV, and this is what you want. They've actually got applications that people would want to use with it because it's built in Droid. I don't know what operating system it would use. but And back to the, the cost issue, again, it comes down to how often am I willing to replace my TV? Mm-hmm. If good enough is enough, 
but when I have to replace them every four years, finally I go, wait, if I buy the really nice car that can do what I want it to do, I'm not going to have to replace it all the time Yeah, and maintain it. But as know. fast as it's changing, why not replace it every year? Get the next model. Get the get the upgraded hardware. Because not all of us get work for Sennheiser, software. Michael. <laughs> oh man! Oh jeez! <laughs> Sorry. No. Well, I mean, oh, I, I can take that argument. I mean, who wants to change it every year? There is a certain well, segment. Yeah. Oh, I would love to have a new car well, every year. Trust me. Okay, but, 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 <laughs> but, but no. But to George's point, though, he's okay. So it's it's different. But but, but I don't I don't want the you know nine thousand dollar new car either. No, but you know? I don't want to. Maybe it's because I'm getting older or what. I don't want to take off the TV off the mount right. for one every year. Yeah, you're just getting mm. old. Yeah, just, shut up. <laughs> no, well, I, 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 I understand. A, I understand you what you're great, saying. I do understand. Yeah, you have a great point, though. Is again, will the with the mount that I bought for it for the mm. TV? That oh I'm yeah, there's that. Be the same. Exactly. So then my my money is doubled. It, will it have the same kind of inputs? Will it just completely say it has to be Bluetooth only or something like that? Right. Yeah, I know things progress, and yes, changes change, and this helps us out, and yada yada. But I don't know about a cheap monitor really being a value when you look at it from the long term. Well, for I, my dorm, for the rec yeah, room in a college, yeah, yeah. sure, because I know it's going to get destroyed by these yahoos anyway. But oh, I've been with you guys so too much yahoos. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Midwest thing. Yeah, there you go, it came right out of me. Um, Oh, work on but you know what? This goes back to the conversation we had. Oh my gosh, what's it been? Two years ago when we started the, had the whole discussion about consumer versus oh, professional yeah. mm -hmm. displays, right? And how many integrators? You know, yes, I can go buy the fifty-inch Samsung LCD display for you know five hundred bucks, five ninety-nine, and replace it ten times by the time I pay for the professional version. And a lot of customers are willing to hedge their bets on that. Okay, I, I have one better for you. All right. This is not B&H. This is not any deep discount, you know, website you've never heard of. Uh, there's a client that that we're working with, the the, the integrator that I was working with. Um, and, and I swear to you, it, it's I'll just tell you what the name of the company is because it still cracks me up. Quill. Q-U-I-L-L -L is the website. It's where I buy my K-cups for, for the Keurig. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they found the exact professional grade commercial display for $400 less per display than the company that I worked for could buy them. At mm -hmm. Quill? At Quill. Wow. I mean, it blew my mind, you mm -hmm. know, because, uh, you know, it, corresponding with the client, and we're going over the bid, and, you know, obviously, you're, you're, as, as always, you're, you're, you're value engineering. Yep. And they, they shoot me this email and say, hey, by the way, is this the same display? And I'm looking at it, I'm looking at the specs and looking at the model. I'm just like, yeah, that's it, the same one. Mm -hmm. And then they told me how much they could buy it for. I'm like, there you well, go. And, and the thing with that, and I know, George, you've come from the manufacturer side, so you get this too, is a lot of times those products, and I'm not saying that's the case yeah. in this situation, but a lot of times those come through unauthorized distribution channels and they're not purchased through, I'm not going to say necessarily legal means, but they're not purchased through the through uh, the proper programs and everything. You don't necessarily get all the warranty and the support and things like that that come with it. But that's if your true. consumer is willing to, to hedge their bet that, that their product's going to last and that's not going to be an issue, hey, you, you know, we can't stop them from no. doing that. But that's, I think that's just a testament as to that race to zero, what's happened, you know, people don't find the value anymore. And it in the the products have become so commoditized that it's no longer about the product. We have to sell uh, the intellectual side 
of our of integration. We have to sell the expertise that goes along with it. There's no other value that you can bring to the table anymore. There was a day when it was limited distribution. You could only buy Panasonic through Panasonic dealers. You couldn't go online and buy it. And you know there was a perceived value there. That has gone away. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. No, and some of that is is you know educating. Yes, there's educating the customer. Mm-hmm. And, and Josh Schroeder and I got you know went back and forth about commoditization and. Uh, I still say that there's value in, in, in educating your customer um, when it comes to making sure that they understand the differences between a professional display and a commercial. You know, what you can buy from a, a, an authorized, you know, like you said, an authorized dealer and what you can pick up at a, at a box store. And you owe that to your customer. A, a responsible um, salesperson, whether it's a, a, in a, at, a, at a box sales store, retail establishment, a mail order warehouse, or as an integrator, you owe it to your customer to educate them on what they're purchasing. At the end of the day, if they make their decision, you've done your job and you can walk away, lay your head on your pillow at night and sleep peacefully. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, um, this is, I don't know what to, to I'll just put this out there. Uh, Panasonic is, uh, they turned a profit, yay, good for them. Uh, for the first time in three years, and the reason I mention this is because it was about three years ago that they purchased Sanyo. So, um, good for Panasonic, um, I guess good for the people that still work it there from, from Sanyo. Uh, I was actually t- talking to um, our good friend Sam Malik, who was, uh, the GM of the the U.S. Uh, version of of Sanyo a couple days ago, and uh, he was saying he was explaining how you know a, a lot of the people that used to work for Sanyo went over to, to Panasonic. So, um, good, bad, ugly, yay for Sanyo or for Panasonic. Anybody? Smart move. Smart move. Smart move. I mean, Sanyo was a good, profitable company. They were doing their thing, and um, well, I don't know. I can't. I can't speak to their profitability. However, it was a good company. We enjoyed working with them as integrators. Loved the product. Loved the support. Loved the people. And uh, so, in that regard, it was a smart move for Panasonic. If they were going to make an acquisition, Sanyo, I think, was a good move. Um, the fact that they're turning a profit now, hey, good for them because not everybody is. George, good, bad, ugly, well, yay. Do we know? Why did they buy Sanyo is my question. I know we talked about it, and I'm not so sure I'm clear that this was really the reason they're profitable. Oh. Well, they talk about um, B2B sales being great, but the yeah. business to con- consumer sales not being so great. So what does that say about their market place strategy versus the others? Pioneers getting out of it, Panasonic's actually making a profit in it. Is it really that they've really turned their focus to business to business and sort of turned a half blind eye to the consumer market? And just kind and of let it be total high end and total low end. And it's an interesting thought. And I haven't been able to look through the financials or do like the Bloomberg search oh, on, yeah. on this, but but I'm wondering if that's what it is. That last line in this article that that says you know quote steady B two B sales, but B two C sales decline mainly due to its end of its plasma TV business. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't have the plasma or the monitors to sell, you're not selling the ancillary gear. Right, but if you're a business, you say, "Well, that's a clear monitor. I need that for my digital signage, or I need that for my in-store display, or I need that for the um, huddle room." Uh, well, but see, I, th- I think they saw that coming, though. I mean, you think about the the Sanyo business model, and most projector sales are B two B. Yes. Right. So mm-hmm. you you take the Sanyo display, Sanyo projectors, whatever the case may be, you fold that into your existing B two B business, knowing that consumer is your your B two C is is on the decline. I think that's a good strategic move, yeah, you they, know, and I think they I think they may not have seen the whole big picture, but I think they had enough foresight to know 
that, hey, we're, we're going to start seeing some problems here. Let's shore up where we do see the growth. And that is in the B2B market. Yeah, they've done a lot of really cool things the last couple of years when it comes to projectors. Now, mm-hmm. not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not saying that all of that was be, due to the Sanyo you know, acquisition. No, but, no, no. But, but it all, it all some, helped. I yeah. mean, that's for sure. And it took the competitor out of the marketplace. Yeah, right? I mean, serious one. Because that's one of the big issues, especially in that commoditized point, you know, especially in something like projectors and mm-hmm. displays, is is the saturation of the marketplace. So anytime you can pull a competitor out and and make them a part of your team and then use those combined resources, that's, that's a good place to be. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, we're going to take a short break here and talk about our fine sponsor, Middle Atlantic Product and their fancy schmancy brand spanking new website. It is their new customer-focused website. Um, really, really easy to navigate. Uh, all sorts of download downloadable information. Um, a separate uh, page for every single rack model they offer. Everything from the big honking, you know, twenty foot. They don't have a twenty foot one, but you know, that would be a cool. That would be though. a. Cool <laughs> you could put a lot of you stuff in that rack. Oh, <laughs> you, you could put two, you know, DM eight by eight in there. So, uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, you can do all sorts of cool things. That was totally rude. Uh, they have a live chat feature. I would not try it today because it's you know, you know. Business hours, guys, business hours. So, you know, uh, 8 to 5 or, or 9 to 5 uh, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, all sorts of really cool things. Uh, a unique um, uh, a broadcast, uh, market solutions for, for all sorts of different uh, applications. Everything from broadcast, commercial AV, resi a, uh, a, AV, security, structured, structured cabling. Easy for me to say. Uh, and all sorts of uh, really cool videos. So check them out if you would, please. Just go to middleatlantic.com, middleatlantic.com. What great products and what great systems are built upon? Um, all right, so let's let's continue on here. Uh, Digital Science Federation passes their 500 member mark. Yay for them, DSF. Uh, George, this is kind of like a an, an it's not Infocom for, for digital science people, but it, it's it's a member organization, right? It's a trade organization. Uh, the fact that they've hit 500 is that you know indicative of the fact that the the industry and the digital science market is growing or the fact that just more more and more people are wanting to kind of get together and, and collaborate? Well, I think it's two things. Um, one is that, yes, the digital signage market is getting more attention and there is a need for that. Some, some organizations or companies are saying, hey, I need to be part of this so that I can help shape the growth and be an influencer in it. Uh, as to the 500 mark, I mean, okay, that also includes all the employees in a company that has joined the organization. So the total number to me of members doesn't really astonish me as much as 216 organizations or manufacturers or people who utilize digital, digital signage saw a need to coalesce around this organization, which I think can only be a good thing. Yeah. Uh, Michael, when it comes to digital signage, is this you know another aspect of our industry that we need to, we need to keep an eye out on? Absolutely. I mean, it, it definitely doesn't take away from the larger organizations, Infocom and whatnot, that, you know, as a, as a more industry overarching organization. But I think it's great anytime you can get that specialty support amongst your peers and colleagues in a particular subsegment of the industry. And I think digital signage is a place that has lacked a lot of definition, really, over the years. Um, it, it's just kind of this ambiguous black hole over there of digital signage. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, so I think that this helps bring some clarity <laughs> for the people that are in the organization, as well as support for those who want to become a part of the digital sinus, su- signage <laughs> subculture of the AV industry. 
right. Uh, this one I picked up just for George because he, um, oh, this is an old, old story, but famously on one of our very first podcasts, mm-hmm. he said, he is not a gesture, <laughs> want to bet, Mr. Tucker, uh, yeah. from our friends over at CE Pro. Uh, Kiwi wearables. This is a gesture uh, based uh, operating, not operating system, but gestures for your iOS. And I can see where this is going when it comes to home automation and this, that, and the other. But what the, what the, it allows you to do, and, and, and it's kind of, you know, uh, it, we're showing the video here from the, from, the, uh, from the website. Everything from waving to uh, tapping on the actual phone to, uh, you know, they make kind of a joke, you know, um, knocking on the phone to make sure, you know, to wake it up or what have you. Uh, so, George, mm-hmm. are you a gesture? No. Dang it. <laughs> I mean, I, I still, I read this and I look over what they're saying and, hey, you can do a, a, a flick and a push of the button. Uh-huh. And it's still semi, I'm still like, <laughs> <laughs> it's semi four. You know, it's still going to be like, woohoo, you know, I, I need to do that to get something to work. Voice recognition, I think, is far more intuitive than these little, I have to move the thing around and... <laughs> You know, once when I, when I was working in staging in the field doing the shows, everybody was a superhero. You whipped out the, the, the tool, your little Leatherman tool, and everything was like a butterfly knife. And everybody did that. And that's the same thing I see, though, with people trying to change the channel on their television or raise the volume. It's like you have to sort of whip this butterfly knife out thing to get something to happen. Why would you do that, and whose eye are you going to take out? <laughs> Series. Okay. Yes, series. <laughs> well, no. Okay, so so George is still you know re- resisting the the gestures. Michael, are, are we moving the point? I'm, I'm or is George, George right? I'm or? I'm with George. You know, I okay. Is it cool? Uh, yeah, as a toy, um, it, but I don't see the practical application of it yet. Because um, because like you said, okay. So so what's going to happen? Right, I'm going to pick up my phone. I still have to activate the gesture, the ability to receive the gesture. Well, if I'm doing that, I might as well just push the darn button that I want to function, you know, on the, on the remote. Because otherwise I'm like sitting here shaking the phone. Okay, well, what's it going to do? Well, maybe I just need to pick up the phone and all of a sudden the TV comes on, the lights go off. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's a cool toy. I just don't think we're there yet. To be I think able you're to, better with the wearable technology yes, movement. Yeah. Where that might become more plausible and only for things like training or a virtual reality. Dedicated applications, or, yeah. Yeah, where you need to go through some environment where you need to be able to turn on lights in a certain way or get mm-hmm. things done. But for day-to-day, it just doesn't seem, you know, I'd rather see, an R, like I said, an RFID system that knows, yeah. they're called the Heisenberg right. RFID, you know, your speed and your direction. <laughs> right. Uh, so that you can, and location, so you can do that. But this what? just seems like someone going, we can do it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because <laughs> we can. But, I, but I'm with you, voice. I can voice, why roof, can't we do voice? Right. Voice is great. I mean, the recognition algorithms have gotten quite spectacular. Right, I mean Siri only screws up every other word. Jeez, yeah. Just try writing an email though with the uh, with the uh, iPhone voice. Oh, it's right horrible. Though. Yeah, it's horrible. especially <laughs> punctuation. <laughs> yeah, punctuation is bad, but it will yeah. do it for you. Yeah. But, but see, and, and, I, and the Google apps even worse. No, it's not. I sent both My, of you texts in the last week using voice on Google. On Google. Yeah, and you remember I said, "Are you drunk?" In my response. <laughs> Well, I, I was, so that, that's why. I well, that's why. problem is, you know, having to tell Siri, look, I have never once used the word ducking. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, that's not ducking. Very nice. 
Siri is just a proper lady, you know. She doesn't, yes, she, she is. Doesn't wanna... Yes, she is. Uh, all right, this 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 uh, this also came down uh, this week that it reminded me of you actually, you Michael from our buddies over at AV oh, Network. Oh boy, uh, the loop induction movement. The, the the loop induction. If you don't know what the the hearing loop uh, is or the loop induction, uh, it's it's a hearing assist system, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's a it's a technology that allows you to do uh, hearing assist system without. Um, having a, a dedicated um, pair of headphones or, or uh, things like that. Um, Sennheiser has some. Listen, technology has. I mean, uh, these these all these guys have some. Sennheiser is the one that I have experience with. So I wanted to talk about not only their article but also this movement to get away from to move into the induction loop, away from dedicated um, units mm-hmm. and using people's existing hardware. So quickly and, and just kind of give me a, a short synopsis of, of what the induction thing is. All right. So as most people know, that ADA has requirements on the books mm-hmm. through through legislature uh, that requires a certain number of seats in public spaces to have assistive listening devices uh, for the hearing impaired. So a percentage of the seats available. A percentage of seats available. A, a percentage of those seats has to have the ability to listen to induction loop technology. So there's a type of hearing aid called a T-coil enabled hearing aid. It's got a little coil inside of it and if you're inside the induction loop, you're able to hear the audio directly to your hearing aid. Great technology for those who have hearing aids. If you don't have a hearing aid. Or that type. Or that type of hearing aid and you still have um, difficulty hearing, then you don't benefit from loop technology. So although loop technology is a great um, movement toward progressing the the audiology industry and helping people who have you know serious impairments mm-hmm. to be able to hear in these spaces. The limitation is that you still have to be within the loop. Number one, number two, you have to have a particular type of device in order to hear it. So that does not mean that you do not or you still have to supplement that with traditional hearing assistance devices for those who do not have loop technology gotcha. built into their hearing aids. So there's this this kind of push-pull in the market right now where the audiologists are really promoting loop technology, and I, I greatly understand why. It makes a lot of sense. But, you know, on the same token, when you install a loop system into a room, you still have to install a traditional hearing assistance device. So somebody can put on a set of headphones or earbuds and hear if they don't have a hearing aid, their hearing aid battery goes dead. Um, there, there's a multitude of reasons that the T-coil may or may not work at this stage of the game. So I'm interested to see where the market goes long-term with this, but with the current legislation on the books, you have to have both technologies still. Mm. All right. uh, George, is this something that you guys have to deal with when it comes to live staging and events, or is this more uh, installed things? It's more. I think it's more install. Although there are some events that require it. Uh, it's mostly RF. It's mostly IR. Those are quick, mm-hmm. easy to set up. They're reliable, uh, and they're secure. Yeah. So if it needs to be a corporate meeting, and it's secure, if someone needs to hear it. And, and Michael's right. It it really is a technology saturation issue. Uh, the article went to great lengths to point out that it's very well distributed in Europe, uh, as most things are. And they, they, uh, <laughs> well, then they got on the, the game early. Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah, they did. Too, and there were various reasons why, and some of it was resources. But you have to have the technology built into the devices that you want to reach. And here it either doesn't happen or a lot of people saying, oh, that's a thing they use somewhere else. We don't even turn it on. Right. So I think they're really just this article is an advocacy for getting that technology and saying, guys, in the long run, it is a better mousetrap, and we're going to prove it. 
we just got to get the infrastructure built. If, if, I think, number well, one. Well, I mean, in, in yeah. the, I just finish up, but yeah, in the ahead. whole, we're reconstructing and we're trying to make the, the, uh, the economy better and there's money out there to do that, that might be part of it. Hey, tag that on, make right. it part of that. Right. Yeah. Sorry, Michael. Yeah. No, no, and you're, and you're absolutely right. But, but still, there's two conditions. One, I have to have a hearing aid mm-hmm. and need a hearing aid. And two, it has to be T-coil enabled. So even if they get all hearing aids T-coil enabled, the fact that I still have to have a hearing aid that limits a, a number of the population to be able to utilize the technology who still would benefit from traditional hearing assistance. So I don't see loop technology taking over the assistive listening marketplace. Um, I see it being a good supplement to it, um, but it's not going to dominate it by any stretch. Hmm. Well, what's and you mentioned this, that the fact that if you need a hearing aid and you're too stubborn to get one, well, there's yeah. that too. But those, those well, you know, the problem is. <laughs> no, no, I, I have somebody specifically yeah. in mind. It's my father. Who's, yeah. you know, God love him. He's 64 years old this year. Well, what, and he needs one. And, and, you know, it goes back. But you make a good point, right? They're too stubborn. I, I do um, work with, with some large theaters in the area. And, you know, they use our infrared assistive listening. Mm-hmm. And they've got people who are just too darn stubborn. They're, there's too much pride there to want to put even the induction loop around their neck so that they can use the T-coil in their device. And so that's what the audiologists are pushing for is, hey, let's put it in the floor so that they can use it. That still doesn't help solve the problem because the person next to them doesn't have that capability. Yeah. And they're too stubborn to put the earbuds in. So, you know, I can't help you if you don't want to take the right steps to hear what you're there to hear. You know, yeah. you're paying sixty, seventy, eighty dollars, sometimes a hundred but dollars for a seat. You know, you need to. You might want to hear. You might want to hear it. <laughs> Unless it's Nutcracker Suite, you know that they do that. Yeah, that's, that's a the whole Fox, story. You know, you know that. Well, Rock of Ages wasn't too bad. They didn't really need them for that one. No, <laughs> I did not see that. But uh, but the Phantom's coming back to St. Louis. So yes, that's it is. A good thing. So, and we're talking like this, and George could like go to, go see it. You know this afternoon if he wanted so yes what i really want to see is hedwig and the angry inch on broadway but that's another story. i've, I've oh, heard that's I've really heard good, that's good. Yeah. i did the first show uh way out when it was at uh J- jane street theater in new york and i did a few of the well i have tinnitus because of the boston show but that's another story <laughs> um loud show Oof. but uh, it's, it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun show yeah that's cool uh, all right, guys, uh, we'll wrap up talking about one of our buddies, uh, Steve Greenblatt and Mark Levecchia. Uh, two independent programmers on opposite sides of the coast uh, have started something called Tech Talk. It is two independent programmers trying to educate uh, and honestly help out tech, ma- tech managers. Um, this has a very special place in my heart um, because I used to be a tech manager, uh, and that, that's kind of where, where I, I grew up in the AV industry, and this is, this is very neat. Um, they are hosting a, a free, uh, you know, dinner, I guess, or, or a get together. I shouldn't say dinner, but but a get together uh, at the Gordon. There's free food. I'm it, going. There's, there's free food and drink, George. <laughs> and drink. Uh, wow. And drink. Okay, we're uh, both there. This, Who needs the food? This is the Tuesday uh, before Infocom. So uh, you do all your thing on on Super Tuesday, uh, and then head out uh, to the um, to the Gordon Beer Brewery uh, restaurant. Uh, it's on Paradise Road, so it's the same road that the, the convention center is on. Uh, at 530, um, there are going to be control uh, experts there, both Mark and, and Steve and, and some other folks will, will be there, uh, talking about how they can help you, You know how they can uh, help you learn more about control, learn more about asset management, learn more about all sorts of stuff, and how they can make your life better. Uh, we have talked on the control uh, State of Control uh, show about things like who owns the code and who should 
have control over it and, and this, that, and the other. Well, this, this is where a lot of this came from. Uh, so if you're interested, I'll put a link on the website, uh, or you can just go to controlconcepts.net, which is Steve's, uh, Steve's website. Uh, Control Concepts is his company. Mark probably has it on his, but honestly, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you what Mark's. Uh, his, his is BMI, uh, BMA, BMI. Um, is his is his name his company BMA Solutions BMA yeah, yeah. so uh, so yeah if you're a tech manager please go check it out uh, good people good stuff and like I said f- uh, free food and drinks so that's not a, that's never a bad thing so uh, all right gentlemen I think that's gonna do it uh, do it for this uh, this edition of, uh, of AB Week George Tucker engineering coordinator for World Stage uh, and one side of my brain thank you sir <laughs> it's great to be on again <laughs> uh, where can people find you. Ah, of course. Well, I uh, write for Commercial Integrator, Corporate Tech Decision, Red Band, AV Nation, and a few others. And you can find me at Tucker Twos anywhere on social media. Right, very good. Uh, Michael Drainer from Sennheiser USA and the other side of my brain. Um, where can people find you? At Michael Drainer on Twitter. Okay, that's it. I, I don't have quite as extensive a resume as Oh, George you don't. No, does. Nobody does. <laughs> nobody does. Stephen King doesn't have you. Right. Um, don't follow me. Go by the website. Uh, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Uh, George is doing a brand new Pico uh, projector show next week. Is that right, George? Monday. Monday. Okay. Monday. Uh, so if you want to watch it live, you can. Um, otherwise, we'll, you know, wait for me to get two seconds and I'll cut it up and put it out on the, on the RSSs. Uh, the AV app show is there. It's, uh, it's technically weekly, but sometimes they both get busy, so sometimes it doesn't happen. Uh, EdTech and a whole bunch of others. Uh, also go by the website to check out our Infocom party. Uh, if party. you're our party, party. Uh, we have a, a lot of sponsors and starting next week I'll tell you a, a lot about all of them. Um, our main sponsor is Vadio. We also have AMX and, and Middle Atlantic is, is helping us out with the party as well. Uh, ASK Proxima, uh, Dante. So yeah, we, we've got, we've got a couple people ha- hanging out with us. Um, we would like you to hang out with us as well. Wednesday, June 18th from 4.30 to 6.30. Free food and drink. Speaking of free food and drink. Free food and drink. We will have par- uh, party gifts and, and prizes. Sennheiser USA is, is giving us a very nice pair of headphones to give, a, give out. Uh, ASK Proxima is giving us a projector to hand out. So, yeah, come by the, come by the booth or come by the booth and come by the, the, the party. The party is actually in room N as in North. 217 and is a north 217 so check that out if you would please uh thanks so much for listening thanks so much for watching uh thanks again to middle atlantic for uh, sponsoring us middle atlantic products what great systems are built on uh that this has been av week <laughs>